skyline of the city How loud quiet nights in the midst of crime How next door to happiness lives sorrow And signals of solution in the sky A city of justice A city of love A city of peace For every one of us We all need it Can't live without it A Gotham City Oh yeah Hello everybody Welcome to the film room It's another guest cast This week we have with us Colin Hello That's it, just, just Colin, not Colin, Colin Hill, <laughs> the, ph- the phenomenally award-winning podcast since Let Doors podcast, Last Times podcast, the Voices of Generation of Family podcast. It goes there. Who is currently on a hiatus right now, but will probably be back sometime in the future. You've added some names since I've last <laughs> heard you. <laughs> I want to add it right now. I want to add it right now because <laughs> sweet kind of state of things right now. <laughs> and maybe Ramon, if he joins us later, we've got a. Kind of a weird topic today, and I feel like since this was one that um, was actually suggested to me, I should explain why. We're going all the way back to 1997 to look mostly at the films of the summer, but we're going to look in at the rest of the year as well. Now, this was a topic suggested to me by uh, my friend who I've cited before, uh, Ryan Collin, who uh, has his own uh, review blog. Uh, we'll provide a link to that. He suggested that we look at this summer because it had some interesting themes that have had some long-running impact, and he is right. Also, for me, there's a little bit of nostalgia. I was 13 this year. It was a rough year for me, and going to the movies was a really big help. So this is kind of a chance to look back. So I've got a list of movies in my hand. Um, anything y'all want to say before we get started? Blood will be shed. Blood <laughs> will be shed. That's That's how these things work. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Let's see, what were people drinking at that time? Uh, I don't know, grab your Zima or whatever. And uh, I think I think Ecto Cooler was still a thing back then. Surge. I think Ecto Cooler was Surge. Yeah, I've got Baja Blast in hand, so. That's the next best thing. Yep, and so we're going to look back to the Wayne's World thing. <laughs> That's fitting, because one of the films we're going to hit uh, on this cast. Again, my plan is to kind of go through the early part of the year, just kind of hitting on the highlights. Uh, January was largely a month marked not by any new releases, but by the release of an old film, Star Wars Special Edition. Mm. Uh, I know, uh, Al, you, we mentioned this on uh, the video store cast, at least, how much we enjoyed the special, at least going to see them. Uh, yeah. Uh, Colin, did you see uh, the uh, special editions in theaters? I did. I, that was the first time, not only that I ever saw Star Wars, but I think I'd ever heard of Star Wars. Because hmm. I, I don't know, like, when I was when I was a kid, like, I never remembered hearing that much about it, because this was, like, long before uh, the internet and Star Wars became a lot bigger than it was. But, um, yeah, I remember my mom taking me to see uh, the first one in the infamous Magic Johnson Theater, but still... Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I'm just sitting there as a kid. I think I was about, like, nine years old. And the movie starts up, and just, like, right away, I am blown away. Like, this is the most spectacular thing I've ever seen in my life. And 
from that period, like I think that entire year, I was just like a huge Star Wars guy. It's like I lived and breathed Star Wars. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. unfortunately did not get to see him in theater. Um, I believe I think I told the story uh, of that on the VS Star cast, but yeah, uh, we're we're out to out the movies. It's like, hey, uh, which one is you want to see? Ooh, look, they're playing Return of the Jedi. Like, I haven't seen the first two. I want to do those before. And of course, by the time I got around to it, it was already out. So, uh-huh. I yeah. I hit all three up, and they were they were just awesome. Uh, I actually the theater, the auditorium that I saw uh, A New Hope in was the same one that I saw all three prequels in. Nice. So, <laughs> so, so, and then a good good memories mixed with horrible. <laughs> horrible I memories. actually, by and large, like the prequels. Um. I my my thoughts range from I'm very mixed on episode one to I outright love episode three, and really two if I'm honest. Is he? I could uh, I could probably get behind the prequels if you ignore the first three movies that came before. Yeah, I think that was kind of similar for me. I mean, it's obvious there's you can see some heart behind it, even though they're like it's a cold technological green screen heart. <laughs> yeah, but. I don't know. It, it's just that Lucas is trying to tell like his story here, despite how horribly acted in parts it was. I at least give him credit for, all right, dude, this is your vision. You saw it through. Good yeah. on you. Now never do it again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I mean, I just defend them as fun times at the movies. That's that's kind of my defense. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the Star Wars Special Editions, that pretty much dominated the first three months for me. But there were some other films that I wanted to note. Um, we This was uh, Waiting for Guffman was released. Uh, not a major film, and I wouldn't see it for another four years or so. But it's a movie that I really love. He had The Pest with John Leguizamo, which I've never seen and feel pretty good about that. <laughs> I did see Beverly Hills Ninja. That was a heavy video renter for me. I was actually surprised I never saw that because I loved anything ninja as a kid. <laughs> this movie, if you read about Chris Farley's life, there's a tremendous oral history of his life out, the uh, Chris Farley show. This movie looks pretty dark when you look back on it. Oh. Farley was not very happy while making it. He got to work with Luke Kang. What's wrong with him? I know, I know. February 7th was where you had uh, Dante's Peak, the first of the two volcano movies that came out that year. <laughs> Why were there volcano movies that year? Because this was before terrorism, so we needed some kind of threat to the country. <laughs> like, okay, well, what's, what's the next one after that? Oh, volcanoes. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. Some hapless Hollywood exec said, hey, volcanoes are going to be big. You'll see... Well, uh, Independence Day was '96, right? Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, so didn't that kind of kick off that wave of a new wave of disaster movies? Uh, it, it did. Um, it have, yeah, especially with Ro- with uh, Roland Emmerich, yeah, continuing to make films. Yeah, because like that went from Independence Day to Godzilla. When... Yeah. We've we've addressed Godzilla in 1998. We don't need to anymore. <laughs> hey, it gave us a really good animated series. It That's did. what I've always heard. That's what I've always heard. I will ask, uh, of Dante's Peak and Volcano, did y'all have a preference? I only saw Volcano. I kind of liked Dante's Peak. That's the one that I land with, because it's, it's in the Jaws model, but it's very good in the Jaws model. 
and Pierce Brosnan's a good lead for it. So yeah, uh, I I did see both. I didn't think Volcano was all that hot. I should know that's an interesting. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm I'm not proud of it either. I should know that's an interesting anomaly that I found out this year. Is there's always this talk about oh the summer movie season is starting earlier and earlier. Again, Dante's Peak was released on February seventh. <laughs> You, you you had these movies coming out pretty early. You know, as I said, I'm just looking down the list at uh, these. You had Vegas Vacation. Oh, boy. The first time I heard that movie, it was being sold as a promotion on a cereal box. You could get a free movie. That's not good. No. Not good. You also had, I should note, one of the few, like, really good movies from earlier this year was uh, on February 28th, Donnie Brasco hit. Oh, I love Donnie Brasco. That's an awesome movie. I've um, never seen it. Also, that's on. a giant movie that never gets, like, a lot of no. praise, but, like, Jesus, he killed it in that movie. He did. Him, he did. Mostly because he's quiet and lets Al Pacino really do his job. Well, it's really hard to overact Al Pacino. <laughs> but but the thing about it is Pacino isn't overacting in the film. He's being subtle, too. It's just they're both really delivering great performances. It's some of the best work Michael Madsen has ever done. Oh, yeah. What always gets me is that last scene when Pacino gets the call and he knows they're going to kill him. Yeah. And, like, he's getting himself ready. He talks to his wife that last time. Like, holy fuck. It's Beautifully shot, beautifully delivered, superbly written. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's 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 an excellent film that doesn't get the attention it deserves. So I want to be sure to note it here. You also had on that same day, uh, Hard Eight was released. Mm, yeah, which was the first Paul Thomas Anderson movie. That's I believe that's the film that um, he. I forgot what the original title was supposed to be. Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. The studio changed it, and he said, all right, so every film after that, uh, he basically had the film's title burned into the main credits, just on set. Yeah, I think that would make sense. Yeah. Um, Anderson, that's that's a film I know that was taken out of his hands, and the cut that we've seen, or at least that I've seen, wasn't his cut. It's still a very good movie. Yeah. John C. Riley, Philip Baker Hall. There is a quick appearance by Philip Seymour Hoffman in it, so... Then moving down the list, we hit up a, a movie that has stood the test of time. Just a real classic. And it's one that I mentioned on Twitter last night. Let's talk about Jungle to Jungle. <laughs> jungle to Jungle. I The only thing I remember about this movie is the commercials for it. It's, it's bad. <laughs> but I liked it as a kid. That's I the problem. I saw it in theater, yeah. Me too. And I liked it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, trying, I don't think I saw it all the way. I just think... I remember the commercials and the cover of Disney Afternoon or Disney uh, Adventures. Yeah, where they have Jungle oh. the Jungle. So, yeah, it wasn't it high was, on my list. No, it, it it was one of those movies that it was in the Home Alone mold, and it I don't know. I mean, Tim Allen has made some real drac, and that's kind of funny because I've seen some movies where he does do more serious work. Uh, he's in David Mamet's Red Belt, and he's really good in it. So it's almost a little frustrating to see him in something like this. He's one of those actors that have carved a ditch doing those horrific family comedies. Yeah. Because like, the Toy Story money's got to run out pretty soon. Yeah. yeah. It's just, to me, it's kind of a shame because I've always thought that he could have done a little bit better. I mean, even the Santa Claus was better than this. Of course, that's a movie that's actually held up pretty well. 
Yeah, as long as you don't mention two or three. I said the yeah. first one. Yeah, I said yeah. the first one. The first <laughs> one. The first one still got some nice wit and energy to it. Yeah. Moving down the list, um, on March twenty first, we hit a uh, liar, liar. Mm. That one looms large. That one looms large for me too. I loved it as a kid. That was the first movie I saw in theaters three times. <laughs> uh, that's that is a a uh, list that includes such films as. Anchorman, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think at this point, uh, Casablanca has almost certainly entered that list because um, I watch that every chance I get. Knocked Up is on that list. There, there's a couple of others. What's funny is, with the exception of like Casablanca, these aren't the films I would list as my favorite films. Mm-hmm. They're just films that I like. There's good cinematic experiences. Which is yeah. Well, in a number of cases, they're just films that I wound up seeing, like for whatever reason, like someone wanted to go see them and it was like, oh, okay. I don't know. It's just weird how that works, basically. That's what Dread is for me. Like that you saw it that many times and you're not really sure why? No, that like someone uh, dragged me along to see it and I ended up liking it way more than I thought I would. Oh, yeah. Dread's awesome. Yeah. I'm sure we've touched on our thoughts on Dread before, but seriously, that... That's one that I wish I'd seen in 3D. Same. True, yeah. It's one that you watch and you go, yeah, I can see how this would be fucking awesome in 3D. Especially the slow motion sequences. So beautifully shot. Yeah. But with Liar Liar, it was a movie that I really loved as a kid. I haven't gone back to it in many years. I don't want to, frankly. I don't think you should. (laughs) No. It's kind of like, I'm leaving that one where it lies. I enjoyed it then. I'm sure I would watch it now and be annoyed by it. That's probably the only Jim Carrey movie from that era you should probably just leave in that era. <laughs> yeah. On the other hand, Dumb and Dumber, I'm... No, I, I that one I'll watch any day of the week. Yeah. You also have Selena opening that day, and... We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to leave this one be. Um, <laughs> it's... But it's it's one that I know people have very, very strong love of, um, so... Yeah. Um, moving down no, the list. No one that matters. No one that matters. No one matters. On March 28th, you have The Sixth Man, which I did actually see in theaters uh, with, oh, I don't even really remember who all was in it. I know Marlon Wayans was in it. That's about all I remember about it. It's Marlon Wayans and Kadeem Hartson. That's, okay, that's who it was. I don't really remember the film that much. I saw it. I liked it then. Again, definitely leaving that one where it lays. I'm actually disappointed Kadeem Hardison never did more in his career. I, remember, I actually, I really like him. I remember really liking his work in the film. I remember thinking he was good. Have you ever seen a movie called Drive? It's not the Ryan Gosling one, but it no, came I know out. the one you're talking about. Uh, yeah. No, I have not. Okay, yeah, it's him and the uh, martial artist uh, Mark DeCosco. and like, yeah, it's pretty just them two through most of the movie, and it's great. I, I've not I've not seen it, uh, but uh, DeCoscos gets my interest. So, well, DeCoscos is my dude. Like, yeah. I will go gay for DeCoscos in a heartbeat. <laughs> you also have a film. Uh, ooh, on this day you have Baps, which I've only ever seen clips of and am kind of horrified by. Now then, who could be calling it this time? It's my boyfriend. He says. You're tripping because you're in Hollywood, and he hopes you don't get played. Well, it's a Halle Berry in it, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, um, not going to get into that oh, one. Other bad movie uh, podcasts have given that one its thorough excoriation. Um, 
we I see no reason to get redundant. You also have Turbo, a Power Rangers movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Now, um this is different from the first Power Rangers movie, right? Yeah, this is the second one. And I want to okay. I want people to understand something. This came out in 1997. Mm. Pretty good well, distance away from long after the initial rise of popularity. Like you have to understand the set, the first movie underperformed because they waited too long to get it out. Mm. What's interesting about like the first movie is that when you watch it and you're watching the show at the same time, it's very clear that these are two different things. Mm-hmm. Because what actually happens is in season three, they basically do the same story, just totally different. Hmm. With Turbo Power Rangers movie, this actually is supposed to lead into the Power Rangers Turbo, the series. Yes. It doesn't do a good job of it, but it's supposed to be the lead into it. So this one's in continuity, if you want to use that term very loosely. It's also kind of an interesting story. Behind the scenes, this one was an absolute uh, debacle because they had to... It wound up being recut pretty heavily. The initial cut ran over three hours. Oh, jeez. No Power Rangers movie should ever run three hours. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was three hours. Not even the yeah. new one they're doing, yeah. sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, isn't this also the one where they changed the actors to not seem racist? No, they did that back in season two of yeah. the uh... original series. When, when like, the, when the ones playing Jason Trini and Zach left. And they brought in like, three new actors. That was like, in season two. Yeah, it was like yeah, okay, yeah, was yeah we we have a black guy in a black suit, yellow, and an Asian girl in the yellow suit. <laughs> How do we make this not racist? Put the Asian guy in the black suit. Put the black girl in the yellow suit. Done. Done. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was that. Yeah. Uh, well, I, what what I want to say is I actually really do love this movie as a kid for the simple fact that we got evil Kimberly and Jason. Yeah, like th- that brief moment, that brief minute in the movie, fucking sold the entire thing for me. Just watching Kimberly doing that weird, like evil is like evil does, kind of strangely erotic, <laughs> like like evil slither and voice, and then Jason just going full on Incredible Hulk. That would be like, cool. Now I have the power. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> I wanted the whole movie to be that. Yeah. Just real quick, I'm going to kind of get through April as fast as I can to get to May. Mm-hmm. Um, you had The Saint, which was a pretty big flop. Chasing um, Amy? Chasing Amy, yes. which has yeah, been dealt was... with. Mm-hmm. has been given its dealt. Um, uh, Anaconda, which is... I'm only going to pause here to note that my father's reaction walking out of that movie was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> Because he was having to do that thing where parents keep up a straight face when they've <laughs> taken their kids to a bad movie, but he could not really hide how much he hated it. So my my own father did that, and this is the only movie that this happened with. Uh, when I forced him to go see uh, Pokemon, the first movie, he, you deserve oh. it. Oh God! Yeah. Why? Yeah. No, my dad's reaction, and I mean, he could not even hide how much. He, I mean, he was cracking jokes at the film's expense immediately. So, <laughs> you know, you have Gross Point Blank this month, which I don't like as much as most people. I'm just going to say. That's all right. It's just not for me. Um, Volcano, which, as I said, I 
the other Volcano movie, I just wasn't that big on it. And that gets us to where we're really going to knuckle down and look at the movies. This is the summer of 1997, and nowadays the first weekend in May is when your big blockbusters start opening. May 2nd, 1997, your films that opened were Austin Powers, Warriors of Virtue, and uh, Breakdown with Kurt Russell. The only one of those I've seen is Austin Powers. Which, look, as much as the sequels have done to taint it, I still love that first movie. The first, oh, the first movie is really good. It's mm-hmm. well-written. It's the one before they started getting the habit of reusing the same goddamn jokes over and over again. Yes, they did. Yeah. This one's definitely the more creative of them all. Yeah. I mean, comedy sequels are so hard to do right. That's why 22 Jump Street is kind of miraculous. <laughs> but... Yeah, the the first one is so funny. It's everything about it just clicks. The low budget clicks, weirdly enough. Yeah, uh, and, and I, I really loved Elizabeth Hurley as the female companion. I didn't think like Heather Graham or Beyonce were very good in the sequels. Yeah, the one I really want to talk about is Warriors of Virtue. If we're done with Austin Powers, yeah, go ahead. Because like, I, as a kid, this may come as a surprise to you guys, but I'm a big Ninja Turtles fan. Yeah. So like. As a kid, like, anytime you have, like, an animal or anthropomorphic superhero, like the biker mice from Mars or shit like that, like, I was really into that as a kid. So, just the idea of seeing a movie where, um, I was also in the martial arts, too. So, just the idea of seeing a movie where you got these weird kangaroo man monsters, and they're jumping around, they're spin-kicking people in the face. That was the movie for me of that year. I can believe that. Yeah. So, yeah, as a kid, I ate this up. I bought. I had to make sure to make my mom give me the figures of all of them because they did have action figures. And yes, they did. Yeah, and my only regret is going back and watching this movie as an adult. Yeah, it's. Is there a theme that we're all starting to notice here? <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because I actually last night was watching Rocco's Modern Life, so I don't know how. Much that I should really be speaking. That holds up like a motherfucker. Oh, that's my, God, that's yeah. my favorite show. Ever. I was I'm bl- I was blown away by what I saw. It was like, oh my God, this aired and this aired on TV for kids. This air- this was Nickelodeon. He operates a phone sex line. Oh baby, oh baby, oh baby. Rocco, Mrs. Bighead. It was. Uh, it was <laughs> my wife and I were just staring at each other like, this is for kids. Dude, this, so, this is the Wild West days of Nickelodeon, where, like, yeah. oh yeah, you couldn't, they didn't give a fuck. But anyway, getting back to it, you, you mentioned you watched it as an adult. Yeah. Yeah, no. The, the only thing, I think Nostalgia Critic's review of it was pitch perfect. And, like, the only thing they really find enjoyment in is just how insanely over the top that villain is. Mm-hmm. To the point where he's literally just screaming at the camera. Angus McFadden, I would have expected that from him, so... Let's talk about The Fifth Element. <laughs> That's one that was, I know, was a popular, uh, very popular when I was in high school. And to be clear, that's like 2000 through 2004, at least some of my friends. And it's one that I was, back then, I was like, yeah, it's okay. It has its virtues, it's okay. Over time, it's grown on me, and now I just, I love the fuck out of that movie. I... I, this is, I'm going to say right now, of the films that we're going to discuss this summer, this is my favorite, hands down, because it is so gloriously weird that you can't imagine how it got released. Mm-hmm. It's great, though. 
I want to is it based on a manga? No, it's not. This was Luc Besson's original idea. That is surprising because watching this movie, it's like I'm expecting that there should be an anime of this somewhere that I missed. I know. Oh, I wish. It feels like that. It, it yeah. really does feel like that. It, 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 it is such a strange movie for like an American audience. Yeah. Just Ruby Rod alone is not something oh, yeah. you would expect <laughs> to see. In an American movie, played by Chris oh. Tucker. Like, yeah, yeah. Chris Tucker's great in it. He's having fun. Yeah, it is such it, it's such a weird movie, but it's so much fun. It's so entertaining. I I just I loved it. It's one of Bruce Willis's best. It also really shows off just how good Mila Jovovich can be when she's got the right part. Mm, yeah. Because mm -hmm. she's really good in it. Um, and Gary Oldman is just amazing at everything. Yeah, I know Oldman has recently trash-talked the film, but he's Aww. wrong. He's wrong. No, fuck you, Oldman. You were awesome. This <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, he has nothing to be ashamed of. It's uh, of all the movies he's done to apologize for. This ain't one of them. No, you should apologize for Dark Knight Rises. Tiptoes, man. Gonna disagree on that one, but um, not not tiptoes. Right, right, right. Hold your tongue on tiptoes. We'll um, get to that one, yeah. Yeah, you've got. But I mean, again, I just yeah, I, I just love the hell out of this movie. It. Again, when you're a 13 year old boy sitting in the theater, this movie seems to have everything. Action. Explosion. Boobs. They really make her perfect. I know. Weird dancing blue alien chick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just so wonderfully weird. Um, we got a little bit of a break, and then we hit the Lost World, which Alan and I've already we've already hit it. Um, Colin, why don't you give your thoughts on this film because we've already discussed it before? Chaos theory. Chaos theory. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what what really do you say about this film? Jeff Goldblum has a black daughter for some I don't reason know what that was. <laughs> I don't... who can do gymnastics and who punches a who, 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 yeah gym, gymnast kicks a fucking raptor who, which <laughs> should be should be cool yes <laughs> also julian moore is a fucking idiot in this movie it's frustrating like, you're a scientist and you somehow think abducting a baby Tyrannosaurus Rex while it's crying for its mom and keeping it where you all are camped out and staying is a good idea? <laughs> it's, a, it's a movie where the villains are the heroes, let's face it. Yeah. The entire thing should have been should have been uh, T-Rex in New York. That should have been the entire movie. And that sequence is so stupid. Out, still. Out, they, they did that movie in 1998, so it's okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess they did. It just, ugh. I mean, I think that's kind of my best reaction to it is, I, it's, it's such a step down and it's aged so much worse than the original. Yeah. 
it, it just well, there's kinda... nothing to age in the original. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean the original. Colin, did you see it in 3D? I did see it in 3D. Yeah. E? Yes. It was. I thought it looked absolutely dynamite. I mean, even if they just released it in 2D, I still would have gone to see it. Yeah. Like, I just love that movie that much. It that movie has held up so well. It's so good and. That's what makes The Lost World so underwhelming is because it's like, you're not. Well, I think what helped is, like, you didn't have uh, who gives a shit Sam Neill to, like, bounce off of uh, over the top Goldblum. Yeah. yeah. It needed that. It needed that balancing factor. Yeah. Next up is uh, we're going to look forward to May 30th where I'm only going to note Gone Fishing because of its co-writer. That was one written oh, by – you, know you know where this is going. Gone Fishing is only notable because of uh, it because it was written by a young J.J. Abrams. Really? Yep. I did not know that. Yeah. J.J. <laughs> Abrams uh, co-wrote a Danny Glover uh, Joe Pesci vehicle. Kind of noting that and leaving it be. Looking on to June 6th, you have Buddy and Con Air. Buddy, I only want to note because of uh, Siskel and Ebert's glorious takedown of it uh, in their Worst of the Year special. And Ebert's review of that movie is just hilarious. And the whole idea of this story just feels awkward and strange. I didn't know what the point of it all was. Is it better than the one they did for North? No, but nothing is. <laughs> Con Air. I mean, Con Air. Con Air. I like it. I mean, I don't really think that it would hold up if I saw it today. But, yeah. Steve Buscemi. Yeah. As a supposed psychopath, even though he doesn't really exhibit any psychopathic behaviors. Define irony. Bunch of idiots dancing on a plane to a song made famous by a band that died in a plane crash. Well, June 13th has two movies that uh, I definitely have... Well, I haven't seen one of them, but I've definitely seen Hercules. Oh, yeah. I love Hercules. I know I know it's inaccurate to the mythology, and I think that was kind of the point. What Disney movie is accurate to a mythology? Right. No, none except, of them for Peter, are. Except, for, except for Peter Pan. That one's oddly close. Yeah. Hercules is a giant riff on mythology and no, Her Hercules is basically Superman meets Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. That's all you need to know about Hercules. It's Superman meets Rocky. And it's and it's got a uh, soul soundtrack for some reason, but it's awesome. Yeah, it's it's beautifully animated. It's uh, it's w one of the best Disney films during this period that they had. Mm -hmm. So it, it's one that I really, yeah, I I love the hell out of that movie. Well, I mean, what helps is it gives us like one of the best Disney villains ever. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know who didn't like Hades. We may have mentioned it before, but. Uh, James Woods had a thing where he said, you know, if you need Hades for any project, I will stop what I'm doing and come running. And he's proven as good as his word. I, I, I wish they hit him up. They should do like a Disney villains movie where they're all in hell and just <laughs> Hades just lording over them all. That would be amazing. I do believe that goes so far as he's in all the video games and he's even in Disney Infinity. It, it, it goes uh, even further. He was in the animated series, too. Oh, oh, nice. He was, he was, yes. Very nice. He he enjoyed playing that part so much. Initially, they were going to make the character a more serious, scary villain. 
But when they saw Woods work, they were like, screw it. We're going to go funny with this guy because why the hell not? Sweet. Mm-hmm. They went serious with the other villain uh, in Mulan. And, yeah, that didn't really help because, like, you, you can only find, like, a handful of people who even remember that character's name. I don't. No, I don't remember. I thought it was Genghis Khan. <laughs> how much bass how bass would have been if it actually was Genghis Khan? That would have oh, been awesome. Jesus. Yeah. A Disney movie with Genghis Khan in it. <laughs> I'll make a Disney movie about Genghis Khan. That would be great. <laughs> they have to tone down a few things, but yeah. Right, okay, this time he's thirteen years old. He's a he's a boy with a dream. <laughs> oh. A dream a dream to rape and eat people's faces. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> but now I, yeah, Woods Woods was great in the part, and it was just it's such a fun movie. It's such an interesting looking film too. They went with some really interesting character designs on it, and I just it's it's underrated is what it comes down to. You also had Speed Two on the same day, uh, aka the one without uh, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, <laughs> the one with the boat. The one with the boat where it doesn't matter because you can't fucking crash into anything. See, I wish they just. I wish that movie had been more just so they could do the entire franchise of speed movies with every vehicle imaginable. <laughs> yeah. So they get down to a rascal scooter. That would have been <laughs> great. Speed Speed Seventeen segways. Speed Speed Twenty with the hobo shopping cart. Mm-hmm. Speed Forty is just with Roombas. They don't fucking care anymore. <laughs> it would have been. <sighs> Oh, no, no, out, out. When they get to speed 30, that's when they reboot the franchise. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, this, was, this was a clear case when Reeves... I don't think I saw Speed 2, but... I didn't. What's the point, though? <laughs> yeah, I think I would have been 11 when this came out. I thought it was a stupid idea then. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's a fucking boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like it's it goes show what even Keanu Reeves thinks this is too stupid to <laughs> yeah, like, come back to, and this guy did Man of Tai Chi later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Austin picked a like, really good time to drop off the conversation because where the fuck do you go with Speed Two? I don't know. <laughs> you just don't. Oh, I see. William Willem Dafoe is in it. Shit. <laughs> of course he is. Uh, okay, since we're at my best friend's wedding, which is the next week, I hate that movie. My best friend's wedding. Julia Roberts plays a really horrible character in there. Well, I hear she's a really horrible person in real life, so <laughs> that's no stretch there. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's basically all about her sabotaging her best friend's wedding. At the end, she gets chewed out for it. <laughs> and I think the <laughs> I think the guy even calls her like the pus that infects the mucus, that cruds up the fungus, that feeds on the pond scum. It's probably just them ad libbing. Probably. It's like whatever you like whatever you got to say about her, just say it right now. <laughs> and Julia's like, damn, you don't take it that far. <laughs> I know a couple of friends who've like met Julia Roberts and they all say the same thing. She's a not a nice person in real oh, life. That's too bad. Yeah, I can believe that. She has a pretty Julia- bad. Yeah. Oh god, I hate that movie. And she, and what's rough about the film is that they can't decide if they want to punish her for it or to let her off the hook. And they kind of do both. They kind of do both, but they don't really punish her enough. What it results in is she's not punished enough. It's a bad movie. Okay, Batman and Robin, look, 
I want to hear Colin's theory about this. In the pre-record, Colin was talking about he had a theory about this movie, and I want to hear it. Okay. My theory of Batman and Robin and how it relates to uh, the early four Batman movies is that when you look at them as a whole, they are an amazing saga about one man in a Batsuit trying to come to terms with his homosexuality. Ah, uh, this theory. You start with the, you start with the Tim Burton movies, and at this point he's still in the closet. He's kind of weird about it. Like he keeps toying with Vicky Vale through the entire movie. They're like, "Yeah, I want to get with you," but at the same time, no, I want to be over here doing this thing. And Alfred, Alfred, at this point in the series, wants Bruce to go the straight way. So that's why he's he's that supportive of the Vicky Vale relationship. Meanwhile, Batman sees Joker. This just flamboyant, all over the place, just larger than life character. And he's fascinated by him because in Joker, Bruce kind of sees who he wants to be. Like, his inner gay come to light. Granny's he's killing people, so that's not a good thing. But uh, he kind of sees, like, kind of where he wants to go. So you get to the point in the first movie where Alfred is so intent on trying to get Bruce to go straight way that he leads Vicky Vale into a Batcave. The Batcave is basically his inner sanctuary where he can just be him. And that's what kind of just finally pushes Bruce away from him. And then you get, once you get to Batman Returns, it's kind of the same thing with Catwoman. Although, like, she's got her own, like, weird dominatrix thing going on herself. And that's turning Bruce off. He doesn't like to be forced into anything. And then meanwhile, he's got the Penguin, who represents just the disgustingness of the average heterosexual male. And in a sense, that's driving Bruce deeper into the closet. So that's why it kind of Batman Returns kind of ends on that depressing note, because Bruce is still like more confused than ever now who he wants to be. Cut to Batman Forever, and that's where it, that's the game changer, because suddenly the world changes. It becomes a lot more colorful, and then when you have the villains, you have the Riddler, whose symbol is the question mark. The entire thing is Bruce. The entire series, Bruce is questioning his own homosexuality. And then you have Two-Face, which represents duality. The duality between, like, Bruce's straight side and Bruce's gay side. And so, literally, through this movie, Bruce has to make a choice. You got Nicole Kidman coming in, and he kind of sees he might have something there with her. But at the same time, you have Dick Grayson. This, like, young, strapping, like, has to be in his, what, mid-20s? Like, kid coming into his house. He's, He's luring into his house with hamburgers and motorcycles. And so... Yeah, through the entire movie, Bruce has a choice to make. Should he go the normal way and be with Nicole Kidman, or should he embrace who he really is and choose Dick Grayson? And it gets to that point, the beautiful point at the end where Riddler's got the both of them that death trap, and Bruce has to make a choice. Like, save one of them, and the other one dies. And so it, at, at that point, Bruce is finally at that crossroads of where he has to go. Now, obviously, uh, he says, like, uh, he's going to save them both. He throws the Batarang and destroys the entire trap. They both fall. And he's chasing after them. Now, of course, he's Batman. He's not going to let either one of them die. So what does he do? He uses his grappling hook. He catches Nicole Kidman, like, ties her up and says, okay, here, you'll be fine. But he makes a beeline for Robin. He's going after Robin like, personally. And it gets to the point in the movie where Batman is literally chasing Dick. Because... <laughs> 
that's the point where he finally embraces who he is. He grab he, that beautiful moment where like they both just grab hands, and that's Bruce finally making the choice. Like I'm gay and I'm proud. <laughs> so then when you get to Batman and Robin, why do you think uh, George Clooney plays him as gay? Why do you think that entire movie is just nonstop flamboyancy and color and just basically like, like if RuPaul designed a Batman movie to like when they're literally ice skating, just that entire movie is just gay Bruce Wayne. <laughs> he's finally come out of the closet and he's happy and he's loving it. And now Dick Grayson is kind of at that same crossroads too. And it's clear he's trying to lead him. To- Bruce is trying to lead Dick towards the gay way. Whereas, yeah, Poison Ivy, who's trying to seduce him to a straight way, and that's why you think like, Bruce isn't really having her shit. I, I loved how very quickly he broke away from her sexual mind control. But Dick Grayson is still kind of, like, in her web. So, like, that movie now turns the tables, and it's Bruce trying to lead Dick the straight way. And Dick tra- like, having that qu- moment of questioning himself. That's my view of Batman and Robin. That's why I love it so much. Damn, I have never heard it carried that far. <laughs> I'm in awe. I'm in awe. That's all it comes down to. I am in awe. <laughs> I, I... Makes sense, right? I applaud you, sir. <laughs> I... <laughs> I hate the movie, but I don't feel like I can... I don't feel like I can say anything beyond that. I hate the movie, but nothing's talking that. So. All, all I could say is bat card, bat card. Never leave the cave without it. Well, I also love that movie because that's basically uh, the loud '90s gay version of the '60s Batman. It, it is. is. It is. It's. I just wow. I just wow. Um, uh, I just think it's kind of funny because. Uh, when they originally commissioned Tim Burton to do it, it's like, oh yeah, we want to we want to get away from uh, the '60s campies Batman, you know, as as far as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's hire let's hire Tim Burton. He does really dark gritty stuff. And then when they brought him on, he's like, you know what I liked the '60s campy Batman. Yeah. So and then as the films went on, it just. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Even with Tim Burton's Batman, those are always just some kind of weird reflection of the '60s Batman. Like they are, yeah, yeah. So like, even Dark Knight Rises is a little bit like the '60s Batman when you have Bane and the fact that Batman is trying to get rid of a bomb in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> you do. That's as I said with Batman and Robin. I feel like it's a movie that's been hated on so much that I'm out of things to say about it. I can't yeah. add anything new to it. Colin, cheers to you for doing so. Yeah, <laughs> just can't take it too seriously. Just yeah, except what it is. <laughs> I was a thirteen-year-old boy. It was a little bit rough for me to try and uh, take it in that way. <laughs> the uh, jumping on ahead, uh, June twenty-seventh finds Face Off. Oh yeah, mm. gloriously stupid Face Off. Who directed Nick. that one? John Woo. John. Oh shit. John Woo. Yeah. At his most John Woo too. So. With John Travolta as most John Travolta and Nicolas Cage at his the most Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Why I enjoy the movie? I just want to 
quickly comment. I loved the moment in uh, 22 Jump Street where they had the dove shot. He goes, fuck you, doves! Yeah. <laughs> I kind of love this movie for being just so gloriously insane. I, I want to know what that pitch meeting was like. Oh, jeez. Going to this movie, it's like, okay, we have John Travolta who plays the cop, Nicolas Cage who plays the villain, and then we're going to have them switch faces. <laughs> Brilliant! <laughs> Put that shit into production. Honestly, I think that probably was the pitch meeting. I think that's <laughs> probably exactly how it went. Well, no, they also had to take breaks for... Okay, uh, we want a large cheeseburger, large fry. Uh, what else do you want? All right, so uh, going about this movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it right. was just so... It, it it is so very much what it is, and it knows what it is, and it's fun about it. So mm-hmm. yeah, what's also great is that John Travolta plays can play really great villains, and mm-hmm. I think this more than anything was like his him at the top. I mean, obviously it's not uh, Pulp Fiction in terms of quality, but just in terms of like John Travolta in full beast mode. Like there you go, it's beautiful. Yeah. It, it's yeah. beautiful. He is he is having that's the thing. They're having so much fun with this movie, and. Mm-hmm. They're so happily unhinged, and the movie makes no pretense of being realistic. Mm-mm. No, I, honest... there's no possible way this makes sense in the real world. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's a stupid idea that's beautifully executed, and I, I just—I'm sorry—I can't hate on this movie at all. It's because it is what it is. It knows what it is, and the next movie we're going to get to is Men in Black, though. This is one I honestly loved growing up. Yes. I mean, who, uh, who was a kid in, this, in the 90s who didn't love Men in Black? Hi. <laughs> really? Let me tell you why. This movie is, to me, the prime example. I noted this on our last cast of why trailers spoil everything. All of the good beats in this movie were in the trailers. And by the time that I got to the movie, I just kind of felt like, okay, there's not much here. The thing is, it's not about it's the, not the, trailers. the movie. It's not about the beats of the movie, it's about Will Smith in that movie. Yeah, that movie is his vehicle entirely, and that's Will Smith at the peak of his uh, charisma. When yeah. America sell fucking anything. You're right so, about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like with that movie, it's not really about the story, which is okay. And like I mean, obviously Tommy Lee Jones is good in it too. Yes. And like, yeah. yeah, I mean I can't really point to anyone really terrible in the movie, but that's a movie pretty much about Will Smith. He yeah. carries that thing through the entire thing, through the entire film. I should note that I like Men in Black Three actually. So oh god, yeah, I've Black... seen it. It's actually really good. It's well, like if you, I know I have my problems with Men in Black Two. It just seemed rushed. And it was really weird. Like you know, they brought after taking so much trouble to get rid of Tommy Lee Jones at the end of the first film, you know, to mm. bring him back. It had some great, it had some great ideas in it, and it had you know the story wasn't bad. It's was just kind of yeah. My, yeah, my future wife was Arya Dawson in it. Yeah, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Yes, and but Man of Black Three is just so solid. You know the the all the new characters they introduce are great and likable. The villain is great. It's so well paced. Bill Hader is uh, Andy Warhol as an agent of the Men in Black. Yeah, <laughs> it's that was all you great. needed. <laughs> He had so much fun in it too. <laughs> I highly recommend it. it's uh, I, it, it's the best of the series. It is. I just I don't know. To me, it just it didn't hit me the way it was supposed to. 
Yeah, the first one you mean? Okay. Yeah. The movie made out of what about the song? Yeah, it's kind of hard to read that. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Everyone was jamming to that song, dude. I requested yeah. it on the radio uh, once, and they played it. Nice. This brings us to... I'm just going to kind of jump through. The next movie is one that uh, tends to get a lot of people very angry. Contact. Robert Zemeckis. I love this movie. It's pretty good. It's, it's, it's a really beautiful film. Uh, some of the... Over to, I'm not going to say undertones because it is not an undertone. The overtones of faith in the film kind of hit you over the head just a bit. Which are ironic. Yeah. Uh, it's all hell given that it was based on the works of Carl Sagan, who was a pretty avowed atheist. Yeah, yeah. This is true. You know, it's, even with that, it's still um, pretty good. And it's still dr- it still sells it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's one that I quite love. Um, Jodie Foster's good in it. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew McConaughey it's some of his best early work. I forgot he was in that. Yeah, he's good in it. Jake Busey has a great small part in it that's scary as all hell and shows that his uh, he got his dad's genes. Um, Angela Bassett, James Woods. I mean, it's it's a good cast all around. Yeah. Have you seen it, Colin? Uh, the only thing I know about Contact is the joke South Park made about it. <laughs> Which is completely unfair. It's completely unfair. Um, Hello, boys. Dad? No, not really. I just read your mind and thought this form might be more pleasing to you. Oh, dude, don't do that. That's gay. Yeah, that's like that stupid movie Contact. Ah, God, that movie pissed me off. I'm only going to note a simple wish because, goddamn, I love that Nostalgia Critic parody of it. (laughs) (laughs) Especially since Mara Wilson showed up for it. That was beautiful. And the whole backstory. And now now she's like a friend of the site, which is even better. Yes. It's surprising considering how many movies of hers they've ripped on. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's become a real friend of the site, and uh, I'm sorry, I just I never fail to tell people if you don't follow her Twitter feed, you're missing out. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. she's hilarious. She is she is hilarious. She is. So yeah, got love for that. Next up, we're gonna come to a movie that I know I would hate if I came back to it as an adult, but damn it, I loved it then. George of the Jungle. Oh no, I I beg to differ in the fact oh, that good. In the fact that it does hold up. Good. Yes. Good. That makes I, me happy. Yes. I've only seen it as a kid. I have not seen it in so long. Mm. Like, I'm not I'm not saying that it's, like, you know, the best film ever, but uh, for what it is, it holds up beautifully. Good. Because I remember thinking it was pretty damn funny as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I remember, like, yeah, as a kid, like, I don't really remember much. I remember yeah. the cartoon, but I don't remember um, the movie. It has a very good cast. Uh, Brendan Fraser, uh, probably at the peak of his uh, talents. Brendan no, no, Fraser, he, he still he still yet to do the mummy. I said at the peak of his talents. Um, Leslie oh, Mann was the love okay. interest. Um, We're gonna fight about this one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leslie Mann was the love interest uh, before she uh, had her second wind working with uh, Judd Apatow. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Thomas Hayden Church as the villain. John Cleese as the voice of Ape. It's it's a good cast and. It's just a, it's a funny film. I, 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 I liked it. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. Nothing to Lose with Martin Lawrence and Tim Robbins. I'm, t- I'm only really noting this one to note that at one time that was a bankable idea. Yeah. And a profitable <laughs> one, too, I see. Because I've got the box office figures on these films beside it. 
I have not seen that one. I liked it. July 25th brings us to Air Force One. Mmm, that was a popular one. Get off my plane. A.K.A. the movie that if it was made now, you know Liam Neeson would be starring in it. <laughs> yes. I think this is the one that made uh, Harrison Ford a, a bankable action star again. Uh, I'd, I don't know about that, because uh, I would say that uh, The Fugitive was still fairly recent in people's minds. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. I just remember it's being really big, for especially for him. Yeah, it was huge for him. But... Let's face it, none of us are really going to want to talk about that one. Let's talk about Good Burger. Hell yeah, <laughs> I don't think I saw. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? I did not see it in theater, but of course, you know, video. I remember vividly seeing that in theaters, because like, when I went to the theater, they gave us like Good Burger uh, uh, pins. Oh, nice. <laughs> so yeah, I had the thing for a long time, too. Yeah, Good Burger was my, Good Burger was dope as a kid, or even now, I still love Good Burger. I, <laughs> I you know, I like Kenan Thompson. Mm-hmm. I'm en- I'm enjoying his uh, I'm enjoying his career now. Is it, I, I don't like Kenan without Kel. They were a good team. No, yeah. they were. I think Kenan is funny, but he he's I thought he's at his best when he's bouncing off Kel. I think the two kind of, the two need each other. That's another theme that I'm noticing running through this. The need for partnerships. Yeah. But yeah, that's one, as I said, I didn't see it. <laughs> I don't know that my life is worse without it, but it probably it would is. this podcast it better is. if I had. Um, <laughs> you haven't seen it, you, period? You no, I, I haven't. Oh, man. It's on, it's on Netflix Instant Watch. Get on that. <laughs> it's on Netflix. I recommend at least seeing it once. Given a couple of the movies that I'm going to be talking about that I did watch for this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And in fact, let's jump to one of those now. That's a perfect time to segue to this. July 31st, and this is one of the big reasons that my friend recommended this to us. Mm-hmm. This was the summer that had three comic book movies. We've already dealt with the first um, mm-hmm. with Batman and Robin. Let's talk about Spawn because we both watched it for this cast. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, I kind of enjoyed Spawn. I actually remember seeing that one at theaters. I was pretty that's, young, so I was surprised my dad took me. And that's 30-year-old Austin talking about it, not 13 30-year-old Austin enjoyed it. Yeah, it's not a perfect movie. It has some script problems. Terrible script. Mm. Yeah, but it was watchable. It was enjoyable. Beautiful to look at. Mm -hmm. That's the only problem. I mean, as a kid, I think I liked it. I think. But looking back on it now, it's the only real problem I have with it is just, like, the constant need for guns in it. Yeah. Because like, Arkham Hell, he has all these supernatural powers, and you choose the power of machine guns. Right. <laughs> well, even the movie points that out. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty bad. <laughs> no, it's a cool movie. Yeah. John Leguizamo is awful in it, but mm. but it's fun. It's fun. He's the violator, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's I just. I didn't think he was bad in it, because, like... I mean, let's be honest, there's no subtle way you could play that character. No. No, not really. <laughs> it's like, you, you have to be, like, just out there. You gotta be disgusting, just vulgar as possible. I thought he did good. I told Austin after, uh, after seeing it and looking up some IMDb trivia on it, uh, if it's any constellation, John Leguizamo did indeed have to eat live maggots on film. Well, <laughs> that was a pleasant sight. Yeah. But it was probably more unpleasant for him. Mm-hmm. 
I don't fault Leguizamo's de- dedication to the project. Like in a weird way, I feel like I more hate the script than I hate his performance because yeah. he was just doing what he was commanded to do and he did it to the best of his abilities, but it was still annoying as hell. Uh, Got to give props to Michael Jai White, though. He absolutely oh, yeah. kills in that movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, why that guy has not become a megastar is beyond me. I don't know either, because he had the look, he had all the talent. I think if he came up in the 80s, he would have been a lot bigger. Yeah. Yeah. But I just think in with this era, there wasn't really much for him. You're right. He had the looks, he had the charisma, he had the ability. I I just, I don't know, I think you're right. I think it, sometimes it really does come down to something as simple as what parts you get. Yeah. This film did not help things for him at all. So no, it didn't. Because yeah, like the the types of movies that he was like a lot better suited for were the types that were coming out uh, direct to video at that point. Yeah, but like Black Dynamite was that a was that a uh, direct to video or was that now limited was theater as well as a very limited release. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, because he is such a straight faced presence that yeah, in the more ironic era, it yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah, because this was like the very very tail end of just the action star because yeah. at that point like uh schwarzenegger stallone and uh willis were already kind of starting to peter out at this point yeah so yeah like i guess if he had come out a lot earlier maybe like in 1988 or something like that then i mean people, he would have been a lot bigger than he was but yeah. as it stands right now it's just like no One you're, you're great you're, yeah you're great but it's, it's kind of too late man yeah. Or maybe conversely, I feel like action is maybe starting to tilt a little bit more back towards that direction. Like, I feel like we are starting to trend a little bit back more towards. Well, we are, but the problem is we're using the same stars. Yeah, and that yeah. is a big problem. We don't have we don't have any new action stars anymore. Or Well, maybe, well, Liam Neeson kind of, but he's kind of up there in age. He's already kind of getting tired of it. And Jason Statham, but he I say he never really broke out past Transporter. Statham never really found the parts that he deserved because he's this tremendously charismatic, funny uh, guy who should be bigger. But yeah. then again, I've also seen Transporter 2 in theaters, and I know why he hasn't done better. Kind of hate that movie. Like I said, Statham had the same, had, had the same problem as Jai White, and it was really timing. Like, yeah. By the time he was coming out, there wasn't much for him. Like I know he's gonna be in the new Fast and Furious, but I don't know where that franchise is gonna go now that like Walker's gone bye bye. But yeah, he's also in all the Expendables. I think he is. I haven't, I haven't seen any of those. I don't feel bad about it. Um, nah. I'm gonna just kind of no watch watch two. Okay, just two. Two is worth it because Jean Claude Van Damme plays an amazing villain. Hmm. Okay. Like, it, it like like it's not enough. He has to stab a guy. No, he has to have a guy hold the knife while he spin kicks it into a dude. Oh my god, that's actually kind of awesome. Yes. Yeah. I got a lot. Of, I got a lot of love for Van Damme. So, see, to me, Van Damme is one of those actors that I feel like eventually we're going to realize just how much better he could have been than his movies. Mm-hmm. Because I think he's got some actual talent. I don't know. I've thought a lot about action movie stars of that era. Like Schwarzenegger is number one. There's no topping yeah. him. Mm-hmm. I'll place at number two, Jackie Chan. 
Mm-hmm. I would say uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme is probably a solid four or five because uh, he didn't have he doesn't have the same presence as like Stallone or Schwarzenegger, but he's a lot better than guys like Seagal. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I think the problem is he just never had a franchise to connect to. Schwarzenegger had Terminator and all that. Stallone had Rocky. He had Rambo. Uh, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme never really had anything exactly. to do. Any really yeah. solid. That's interesting. I, I think that's interesting. Um, let's get into August. Um, August starts off with Air Bud, and, uh, which I just kind of want to note because I want to note that has had tremendous legs. Then you More have of them. So, so much so that now the series has absolutely nothing to do with sports. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> like, oh, you're right. That franchise is still going. God, yeah. It's gotten weird. Um, yeah. You've got Picture Perfect, which was I'm just only pointing it out to note the trend of trying to turn the cast of Friends into stars. Yeah. I don't even think that's worked for Jennifer Aniston. Um I don't think she's ever really I don't think she's nearly the box office draw people think she is. So just noting that. Uh August eighth gives us conspiracy theory, which is one of those movies that feels like it is such a time capsule of nineteen ninety eight seven. It's about paranoid conspiracies, which was such a big trend right at that era. Yeah, when was when was Enemy of the State released? That was a year later, so yeah. See, I mean, it was that era. It was um, Mel Gibson and Julia Roberts, two actors who Roberts could probably still find a project on that scale. Gibson sure as hell can't. Mm-mm. That guy was doing machete movies so the day he dies. Hey, you know? yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, let's not let's. I am not going to hate on Machete Kills. Machete Kills was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I I was shocked by how much I loved Machete Kills, and I loved Machete. So, yeah. I think we had Machete Kills for literally a week at my theater. Oh. Honestly, if those movies start going straight to Netflix, it'll be where they belong, and I will still watch every one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, um, I don't know, conspiracy theory, I don't really remember much about it. So that's kind of all I have to say about that. Um, although I will ask, uh, does anybody even remember that there was a Free Willy 3? Vaguely. I think I was aware of its existence. I uh, I was surprised that it came out in theater. It barely did. It did not get much of a release, actually. Uh, I was surprised at how many times they need to free this fucking whale. <laughs> at some point, you just go, screw you, you're on your own. Uh, <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, dude, learn how to fucking avoid the net. <laughs> I just, I, I want to know Event Horizon just because I know I haven't seen it, and I feel bad that I haven't seen it. I need to fix that. That's one I've heard so much good about. It's pretty good. I, I, really have, I never take the time to actually just sit down and really study it. Like I was just like, always kind of kept on the background and stuff like that. It's, it's probably a lot better movie than I'm remembering it to be. Yeah. Al, get mm-hmm. ready because the next movie is Steel. <laughs> I. That's when I wasn't really going to watch because I was running out of time and then I got up like three hours before I record and realized, hey, I have enough time to probably watch Steel. <laughs> and uh, uh I just want to say to everyone listening, if you've ever wondered why you don't see that many black superheroes in film anymore, 
This is this why. Is, this is why. <laughs> and this is such an unfair example. Mm-hmm. This that's what kills me about this is this is not a fair example. Spawn is a more fair example. Yeah, Spawn's absolutely a much more fair example. Well, the problem is Spawn was in a full body costume, so you couldn't yeah. tell it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but this one they made sure to let you know this is Shaquille O'Neal in a RoboCop helmet, and <laughs> O'Neal is such a bad actor. Uh, I mean, to me, uh, a more fair way of doing it would be uh, give me Anthony Mackie uh, in the lead of a superhero movie and see how that does, and then maybe we'll talk. And he was just in one, after all. He was in Captain America yeah. too, Which he killed it in. He absolutely did. So, but, uh, get, get, like 97 was the basically the era Shaq, right? It was. It was yeah. when he was, was... He was doing this. Kazam was the year before. Kazam, yeah, and he was rapping. Don't want to do time on your wishes three. Watch it, boy. You don't want to diss me or I'll dish out my misery. Uh, 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 Rapid G. He just, uh, this movie sucks. Just, it's fucking, it's too fucking cutesy. To say, it's just like, the okay, the bad guy, the bad guy... He's just like, oh, the first thing he does is like, oh yeah, let's let's uh, test this weapon in two untested parameters. It's like we can we can knock down entire buildings, and then like later on, it's like, oh, you disagree with me, so I'm gonna f- drop you down a fucking elevator shaft. It's like, really? What's funny about Steel is that even though this is still long before X Men would come and just like change how comic book movies were done. This is a movie that still feels like it came out way too, way later than it should have. Yeah. I can see this coming out in like a '92 or '93. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like even even Batman and Robin is more ambitious than this. It yeah. is. There's <laughs> the Fantastic Four 1994 is much more ambitious than this, and that didn't get released. Yeah. That, have you seen like, that by way, Colin? I've seen a clip of it. It's worth seeking out, honestly. It's actually kind of fun. I don't think anything could. I don't think anything could be as bad as the fucking Tim Story Fantastic Four movie. So, if you, so. yeah, so okay. if you watch this, you'll be like, "Oh, this is this is actually pretty fun." It's got an evil doom. It's the special effects, as limited as they are, are kind of cool to look at because you can see that they're working at the limits. The thing looks awesome in it. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I'm genuinely recommending it. It's it's a lot of fun. We did a cast on it, and I do recommend it. Okay. Unironically. Um, yeah. But you're right. Getting back to this one, you are so right. This feels this feels of the era with the Captain America TV movie. Yeah. Like th- this is a movie that like '97 had already surpassed, and like yeah. we're still a ways away from. Like, <laughs> and like even like Spawn, even Spawn, Spawn. Yeah, Spawn is another one. That was so much, but no, but I, I bring up Spawn to point out that that was one that was so ambitious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you could definitely see that, like, something is happening with the era of comic book movies. So, like, the fact that Steel comes out after all of these, you have to go, like, why the fuck did they bother? Like, if anything, it probably would be better if they had just rushed it and had it come out in May. <laughs> yeah. And the thing about it is, I know the Steel comics. I've read them. Um, I quite yeah. like them. It's nothing like it. Nothing no, it like has it. nothing. It has nothing to do with them. I, I've got here. The film had a sixteen million dollar budget. That's pathetic. That's like 
that's 13 more millions I expected to have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the costume looks dreadful. It looks like the rubber that it is. I think what just happened with this one, it was, like we said before, it was the era Shaq. They wanted some kind of vehicle for him. It, Shaq's big thing was that he had that big Superman tattoo. He was a big Superman fan. So they were yeah, like, okay, we in the movie. We, yeah, we yeah. can't have you play Superman. But here's this other character that's related to him. That, oh, he's black, too. Um, and it, that's where that came from. By the way, you just hit the nail on the head there. It was kind of, it was actually kind of racist, the casting of him, because it was just like, oh, any black guy will do. Yeah. Well, I think, no, not any black guy, but they wanted so, because like, even still in the comics, he was pretty, he looked a little bit like Shaq. Yeah, he did. So at least like Shaq kind of fit the mold. He had the right size and he was a big enough star. So they're like, okay, this would be the perfect vehicle for you. Now, obviously it tanked. But didn't still, get, it didn't even I, get released in my hometown. So, yeah. So, I, I can see the reasoning behind why they would do it. They just shouldn't have done it. Um, inc- oh gosh, Shaft was in this too. Jesus Christ! I don't oh yeah, and they, make, and they make sure you don't forget that Richard Roundtree is in it. Yeah, and they even make that subtle. A man named John Henry's just gotta have a hammer. Well, I did the metal work. I especially like the shaft. Ah, fuck you. <laughs> they literally look at the camera when they do that. <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah. It's just like it's just like that thing where a bunch of kids are playing basketball and he's like they throw a basketball to him and then he shoots and misses cuz he can't make free throws. Oh. <laughs> and that's a plot point later on. It's like fuck you. Is <laughs> <laughs> god. Up there. Throw it quick. Throw it. I never make these. This movie is, it's not even so bad that it's good, it's just bad. Because uh, it's not fun to watch. Uh, the, there is one funny thing that I saw in the movie, which is the first time that Steel shows up, he encounters a mugger. Yeah. And I checked the IMDb, the guy that played the mugger was uh, John Hawks from uh, Winter's Bone. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Who is terrifying in that movie. The Who only is... person to succeed to come out of steel. <laughs> he is, in that movie, he is absolutely terrifying and delivers just this great performance that he was nominated for an Oscar for and in another year might have won. He was, I mean, he was really good in it. So, seeing him in this, it was like, what the hell? <laughs> Ugh. Also, Charles Napier was in it and I always have a soft spot for when I see him in a movie. And also, I love the part where the uh, the rich couple is trying to describe Steel for, like, the camera. He's an African-American as big as a mountain. And he was extremely polite. Yeah, it was amazing. It's like, uh, excuse me? Oh. <laughs> excuse <By the> way, <laughs> me? The writer and director of this was a white guy from Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Oh, even better. <laughs> Which I should note, by the way, for those who know, for those who are in the Arkansas area, I don't know what Pine Bluff was like for him growing up. He should have been able to write better than this. He should have been able to depict that culture better than this. I'm guessing he hadn't been to Pine Bluff in a while. I it it, it is a heavily black community, is my point. Um, it it just that's just it. That's another thing. This movie is so tone deaf about race. Mm-hmm. In terms of its depiction, it it doesn't feel authentic. 
And I hate to bring that up because it's not really territory that I'm completely comfortable with because I don't know necessarily what I'm talking about. But in this movie, I, that's that's how it. Oh, feels. this is why I'm on this episode. Okay. No. No. <laughs> No, no, it's not. But I mean, you. But you see what I'm saying—that it feels like it's yeah. what someone's from the outside, the, from outside this culture's reaction is to it. Yeah, yeah. but there was a lot of that in the '90s. So, it's oh, like, that's when that. Believe me, I I'm aware. That's just it. Yeah. This movie feels so '90s. This movie feels more '90s than Spawn did. Mm-hmm. <sighs> And one of the weird things I forgot to point out, I wanted to point out about uh, Fifth Element, is it hasn't really aged that much. Because it is so <laughs> weird and of its own time. Yeah. Yeah, it's so weird that you can't believe that this was an American movie in 1997. It wasn't right. really an American movie. It was largely financed by French money. Oh, really? Yes. Right. <laughs> well, I say about Fifth Element, I can really only see that movie coming out in the 90s because mm-hmm. it's a movie too weird even for today. It is. Yeah. Even after we've had this anime boom and everything, it's still too weird for Shay's audience. I'm just grateful that it came out when it did. That's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, Steel sucks. Um, let's uh, looking at August 22nd. I'm just gonna kind of shoot through a couple of movies. GI Jane came out, which I'm only pointing out to point out that Ridley Scott, the '90s, were not very good to. Uh, Leave It to Beaver came out. Yeah, we all remember that existed. Yeah, I remember Dennis the Menace. I, I don't remember Leave the Beaver very well. I didn't see it. Um, I remember it a little bit. <laughs> and a movie that got absolutely mangled by the studio, by all accounts, Mimic. Mm, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, early. Never seen it. Need to see yes. it. Though. I actually don't really like Mimic that much. I've, I've never seen it. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I just had a problem with the only two likable characters that were in the movie for me were Charles Dutton, who I love in everything. Yes, wrong. That man is a beast. And um, awesome. the guy playing like uh, the father trying to find his son. <coughs> I forgot the name of the character or the actor who played him, really. Yeah, those are the only two characters like I could sympathize with, and they kill them both off. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, I, I wasn't really having that movie at the end. The, uh, <coughs> yeah, that, 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 that was August 22nd. August 29th. Brings us to um, three movies that I'm just going to shoot through because to me, and to close out the summer, there were three movies that came out that you had Excess Baggage, the film that killed Alicia Silverstone's career. Uh, that's too bad. She still had one after Batman and Robin. This was the one that cemented she wasn't recovering. Um, I just want to note the romantic interest in it for her was a hunky uh, guy played named Benicio Del Toro. Oh, Whoa, that did not take for Hollywood. There was a concept that just did not work. Benicio <laughs> Del Toro, romantic lead. Oh, boy. And I say this as it, somebody who loves Del Toro. And this was the year before Fear and Loathing, right? Uh, yes, yes, yeah. it was. <laughs> yeah, so, no, that that was a concept that did not take with Hollywood. Cole the Conqueror came out. Does anybody even remember that movie? No. Nope. Uh, Kevin Sorbo, an attempt to turn him into her, to uh, Conan. It was almost certainly a Conan script that got the uh, names changed. And you also have a movie that's more notable for what for the behind-the-scenes drama, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, which starred two young actors from Texas who tried to sue to keep it from being released. <laughs> Are you all familiar with this story? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, two unknown actors. Not, actually. 
Uh, two young unknown actors from Texas shot them, were in the movie. Um, by all accounts, uh, at least the male of the pair really enjoyed making it and uh, apparently gave a damn good performance in it from most critics' reactions. And the movie then sits on the shelf for several years. And then the said unknown actors uh, become known as Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. And they sue <laughs> to try and keep the film from being released. They are not successful. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's kind of all that movie is known for, is the fact they tried to bury it. And by all accounts, McConaughey is pretty good in it. So, By the way, uh, I'm about, as of now, I'm about six episodes deep into True Detective. And goddamn. Yeah, I, it's widely felt that if McConaughey wasn't up against Brian Cranston for the final season of Matt, uh, Breaking Bad, he would probably have a shot at uh, the Emmy. Mm-hmm. He just probably doesn't. Um, we got uh, one more week to go, and that's uh, September 5th with Fire Down Below, the Steven Seagal film that was his one of his last theatrical films. Good. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. <laughs> Not a Seagal fan. So that closes up the summer. Now I'm just going to kind of shoot through these films. Um, September 19th, we have a movie that, uh, Colin, you made sure to ask me to bring up, and that's uh, L.A. Confidential. I fucking love this movie so much. How can you not? I admit I haven't seen it. Dude, stop you what need you're to doing. Go on that, yes, please. You, you, you took some time to watch Steel. Yeah, yeah watch, LA some time to watch L.A. Confidential. I'll make sure to do that. L.A. Confidential is just absolutely incredible. Um, well, I mean, I don't know, really know what more to say about it. It's yeah. Um, I, I love I love noir movies. Oh, I do too. Yeah. This is like one of the better ones. Curtis Hansen is one of the most underrated directors of this period. Uh, he uh, followed this up with the brilliant, but nobody saw it, Wonder Boys, which. Mm-hmm. Interesting fact, that was my first R-rated movie to see in a theater. Nice. Didn't exactly go out of my way to, t- uh, to see something uh, big and shocking, uh, but mm-hmm. Hansen did a great job with the direction. Uh, it was co-written by him and uh, Brian Helgland, and it's, mm-hmm. it's a great script, but my God, the acting is just a feast. I, I adore Guy Pearce in this movie. He's incredible. That interrogation scene alone... He is restrained fury in this movie. He is. And it's a perfect counterpoint to Russell Crowe, who's just unleashed fury. Yeah, Russell Crowe, this is the this is the best stuff he would do. I think, period. I, I think this is probably the best thing he's ever done. Yeah, I love this more than Gladiator. Well, I hate Gladiator, so that doesn't take much. <laughs> uh, no, he's... Crowe, this is just... In fact, I remember my... To quote my father again... Um, I remember he, my dad watched Gladiator and was like, you know, if I, because my dad, my parents had also seen A Beautiful Mind, which I do love, and my dad pointed out, you know, if I, if he were Crow and he had done the work that he did in L.A. Confidential, and the work that he did in A Beautiful Mind, and he's told that he's the best actor in the industry for Gladiator, he'd drink too. <laughs> I agree with him completely. <laughs> I yeah, L.A. Confidential, dude, you've got to watch it. It is. It's so gripping. James Cromwell, that's another actor that I absolutely... Oh, yes. That, I am sold now. Yeah, because Cromwell, this is the best thing he's ever done, hands down. Sweet. And that really says something, because Cromwell is one of those actors, 
it's amazing that he went that he used Babe as a way to capitalize in to then do such amazing work elsewhere. Um, he's even great in W, as flawed it, as that movie is. Yeah, he is. It, uh, even though like I love him in this movie, like my f- favorite James Cromwell thing is still going to be him in season two of American Horror Story. I've heard he's great. I don't know if he is terrifying in this. He's an awesome actor, and so yeah, watch it immediately. I that's looking in September. I do want to note that the Peacemaker came out uh, just because I want to see if anybody even remembers that movie. I remember of its existence, but I don't know anything about it beyond that. Yeah, October third, you had Kiss the Girls, which was a big hit based on a series of books I've actually read a, a lot say, of. Austin, this is the point of the podcast where if Ramon was here, he would call you out on being a racist for skipping soul food. I did skip soul food. I, I'm skipping a lot of movies. Listen, I'm skipping a lot of movies. I really want to get through this, uh, so I'm skipping a lot of movies. Soul food was a big hit, though. So um, October 8th, you know, Kiss the Girls. I liked the, I liked the book series um, until I stopped reading them because, good God, they wouldn't end. They're not any good, but they're they're readable. Um, Seven Years in Tibet. That was a great example of a big Oscar bait movie that flopped, but I still kind of liked it. Oh, that was a good movie. It was. Brad Pitt is really good in that. He is, but Pitt's usually good. So I want to take a moment though to to note one of my all time favorite movies opened on October tenth, Boogie Nights. I just oh, yeah yeah. I just I can't say enough about how much I love that movie. Tense as fuck. Funny. Touching. That's that's one that uh, when I took my first film class. My teacher Todd Norris. Hi Todd, if you're listening, uh, he heavily recommended. It. He said, "Yeah, it's it's a movie. It has all the best lines. It has all the best scenes. Uh, it's really great." He's right. He's yeah. just right. The music is astonishing. Yeah. Um, ending on ELO's living thing is just, and it fits that movie so well. Um, oh god, Colin, you you seen it? I've only seen like parts. I haven't it's, seen it completely. It's wonderful, but yeah, that's just that's one of my favorite movies. That's pretty much all I need to say. Um, Rocket Man opened uh, the same day. Does anybody remember that? It sounds familiar. It was about uh, the first manned mission to Mars. Okay. It's, With Harlan Williams. Yes, Harlan Williams, who I always liked. Harlan Williams. He's uh, the Fairley brothers figured out how to use him well, so. Uh, his scene in There's Something About Mary is hilarious. Uh, October 17th, I'm only going to note I Know What You Did Last Summer because of how much that made those movies helped ruin the uh, genre for so long. Uh, slasher movies, I'm not a slasher movie fan, so yeah. just going to note that movie existed. Those those movies are still joke fodder today. Mm-hmm. I recently saw a Robot Chicken well, sketch on it. Well, I mean, look at the cast, like... Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prince Jr. It's like Ryan Felipe. It's every pretty white person of the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, no, not even going. Uh, you mentioned Devil's Advocate, though. That is an awesome movie. That is Keanu Reeves in full fucking beast mode. And Al Pacino playing Satan. I mean, how much more do you need to say? Oh, yeah. Also oh, a very nice. good, subtle performance by Charlize Theron. She's really good in it. Like, that she was one of the early performances where you're like, yeah, she can act. The only thing that got me is how often she dropped the Southern accent. <laughs> yeah. Southern accents are almost never good. I'm glad you brought that movie up. It's cool to look at. It's stylish and it's darkly funny. 
Yeah. And it's it's blissfully insane. I I'm glad you brought that one up. Um I want to make a special mention for Gattaca. Oh, yes, I, I that's yeah. on my underlined list. Jude Law. Jude Law in that movie is awesome. Yeah, that movie that's one of those movies that passed by me at the time, but I found out about it in high school and I just love it. It's one of the Oh, no, I saw it on video. I quite liked it. Um, yeah. That's that's a good one. That's 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 a good one. Um, in, in November, you've got um, Starship Troopers, which was a big flop, probably because people didn't get what it was. Yeah, it's just recently come back into resurgence for uh, being what is basically an anti-war film. Yeah, it's it was Paul Verhoeven doing what he did best, which was being anarchic. I mean, Starship Troopers. You got to note Anastasia was a huge flop that i have to note i don't remember seeing anastasia the only thing i remember about it is the song once upon a december which i really love yeah but as a kid i remember when it came out and just like pausing and going wait this isn't a disney movie that was my problem right yeah it was their attempt at trying to be disney and it didn't work um yeah i remember in that era how much it tried to be an animation powerhouse and then finally, when Titan AE came out, they just gave up entirely. Which was probably a good idea. November 21st brings us two movies that we're going to note, one of which I think we all remember, and one of which I don't think we do. The Rainmaker is the one that I think slips a lot of people's memories, but I think it's a really good film that deserves a little bit more recognition. I have to see that one. It's in my queue. I have to watch that one. It's, it's very good. It's the probably some of the best late-period Francis Ford Coppola stuff. Uh Matt Damon is great in it. It was shot in Memphis, and it has a wonderful look about it. Claire Danes is good in it. Um, it's just a very good film. Also, you mentioned Liu Kang, so let's talk about Mortal Kombat Annihilation briefly. Oh, yeah. Oh, I fucking loved this. I hate it now, but I love this movie. It is the definition <laughs> of a movie for kids that age. Oh, my God. Dude, Jackson, that movie was the coolest. <laughs> he it wouldn't was... shut up. <laughs> It was so what it, it was so, that's a movie that is as 90s as they, I mean, it just, ugh. I love that it took the Street Fighter approach of let's throw as many characters as we can in this and just give them no backstory, no mm-hmm. explanation, and they just disappear after a while. The CGI is but, so bad in it now. Yeah. Oh, oh god, Mocharo looks fucking horrible. It's, ugh. But, it is what it is. I mean, it, it was... It's a movie that would not get made today, but you kind of have to appreciate that it did get made then. Mm. Also, yeah, so, uh, James Remar is the Raiden, which was yes. the most baffling casting I've ever seen. Yeah, he lo- he looks and acts like Christopher Lambert. Uh, yeah. Think about this. I love Remar. He's, he's no, no, The awesome. problem with uh, Lambert is like, he tries to be a little bit like Lambert in the beginning, but then once like he goes Billy Idol with the hair, he just totally drops it. Yeah. <laughs> and he has that voice that's just so distinctive to the point where uh, when he showed up in Psycho, uh, Roger Ebert made the assumption that his voice had been digitally altered. No, it was not. I also have to note really quick, November 26th brought us Alien Resurrection. Yeah, that was the Joss Whedon pinned one, right? Sort of, because his script was heavily rewritten. Yeah. To the point where when they issued the script book, there is no credited writer on it. Oh, shit. Wow. That's pretty that's, bad. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Um, you also had Flubber. 
which I barely yeah. remember Flubber. Just don't. I don't. I don't even want to think about it. I'm just noting it existed. I remember yeah. the merchandising around it. I just don't remember the actual movie. No, let's it just wasn't let's good. Ex- it was a movie. Let's exist. What's good is we're about to move on to some happier movies and some very bad ones. I see, but let's first note December fifth, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, I am ashamed at how long it took me to actually watch Goodwill Hunting. Oh, I watched it as soon as it hit video. Yeah, because like it was in my instant watch queue for so long. It's like I'm gonna watch it. I'm definitely gonna watch it one of these days. And, like, and I finally watched it. I was like, I gotta watch this shit again. It's <laughs> it's amazing. Austin, did, were you the one who uh, I don't know if you said this on the cast, but um, were you the one who said that you watched Finding Forrester afterwards, and then and then when it got to the end where Will Hunting shows up in it, you're like, oh god damn it, <laughs> crossover. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I kind of did have that reaction watching it. So yeah, it's like you fooled me into into uh, pretty much watching the same movie and thinking it was a different yeah. one. Goodwill Hunting, I will say this. If y'all can, seek out the original printed script that uh, was released because it's different in a lot of ways. It's very expanded. But you, the dialogue is so good. Uh, it, it was taken from an earlier draft of the script. Uh, there was some on-set rewriting. Uh, but it, it's either way, either way you get to experience it, that is just such a great film. And it only ages better with the days. And I think that's Robin Williams at his absolute like non-comedic yes. best. Yeah. Agreed. That's kind of why I wanted to move past Flubber as fast as I could, was to focus on the good. Yes. Good choice. Yeah, I also want to then, on December 12th, note uh, an underrated film that doesn't get enough love, uh, Amistad. Yeah. I love Amistad. I think it's, I think it's brilliant. Um, I still have not seen it. It's 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 one of Spielberg's most underrated. It's it's good. Jaiman Hansu is incredible in it. That was the same day that also gave us for richer or poorer with Tim Allen. Tim Allen and Kirstie Alley. I'm just gonna note that I saw the thing and move on. I sure <laughs> I sure didn't like it. I think Ramon noted in, in uh, last night's discussion that it tanked uh, Kirstie Alley's career. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And Home Alone 3 uh, opened the same day. Just what more do you say beyond it existed? I just remember as a kid seeing that the trailers for that and just instantly being turned off like, where's, uh, what's his face? (laughs) Strange movie. Where's Um, where's Screamy Face? Exactly. That that, that was, Home Alone is built entirely, that project is built entirely around Macaulay Culkin's Screaming Face. And they don't put Macaulay Culkin in this, so what's the point? Right. I lost my jaw. My jaw just dropped because I found Scarlett Johansson is in this movie. That was what I was going to note. Is that was I think that's about the only thing anybody ever notices about it is that that was an early part for her, along with North. uh, Wait, wait, Christopher Curry is that who I think it is? Is that a relation to Tim Curry? I don't know, and I don't particularly. If it is, that's another strike against this movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 such a it's such a direct film. Um. Yeah, Johansson's in it. It's an early part. Just imagine that she went from that to her. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big jump. Um, her is brilliant, by the way. Just absolutely. Oh, yeah. I That movie hit me right in the heart. I, I, I love that movie. That movie made me want to marry Scarlett Johansson's voice. Yeah, it's funny how... Yes. I've always had this theory that she does her best acting when the directors aren't intimidated by her appearance. 
such as Sofia Coppola uh, with Lost in Translation. And uh, then here with Spike Jones just getting her voice out, she's a tremendously talented actress who just rarely gets to show just how damn good she is. Mm. But she's she's great in that. Um, and this brings us to, fittingly enough, it's my wife's favorite. It's my wife's birthday, so let me note her favorite movie. Yay! December nineteenth brings us to Titanic. What the movie that was the biggest that was destined to be the biggest money loser ever until it was released. <laughs> Titanic. I was disappointed because in school they spoiled the ending for me. So. Waka waka. <laughs> Titanic. What more do you say about it? It was Titanic. Yeah, I have uh, memories of. Um, I remember our air conditioning was broken that summer. Oh, so we shit. we pretty much went to the movies uh, or the theater to um, and keep in mind uh, that was the period where I lived in like a small town that was like uh, twenty miles from anywhere and uh, so we went out of town to to pretty much get some air conditioning and see Titanic. Nice. I I like Titanic. Um, I I I have my problems with it, but I like it. I've seen it three times. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, two of those three times were in 2012 uh, with the 3D re-release. Uh, I went with uh, my then-girlfriend slash now-wife to see it. And uh, this is actually kind of adorable. She talks along with it when she watches it. <laughs> like she knows it that well, which I think is awesome. I, I stress I'm bringing this up because I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's film love at its best. So Yeah, yeah. That, that's me with the first Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah, I, I can do the same with that one, too. So, But that was a movie that was, I don't know, I think, what more do you say about it? It's Titanic. Yes. One of history's biggest disasters turns into one of history's biggest successes. <laughs> Honestly, you could have been talking about the making of the movie in terms of one of its biggest disasters. That movie was such a debacle behind the scenes. But, yeah. You know, and we all know now how it's gone for the actors involved 17 years later. Yeah. Yeah. And the the director. And the director. No challenge too big, no budget too small. (laughs) No. Even though it took him 12 years to make his next film. But, you know, he he hasn't been inactive, but, you know. Uh, To me, James Cameron is one of those people, you can say however big of an asshole you think the guy is. You have to love just how how he spends his money. Yeah, yeah. Coolest things. He's not a good storyteller, but he's a damn good filmmaker. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. The guy just, he lives an awesome life. He goes in pursuit of awesome things. <laughs> he he's, explores the ocean deep. <laughs> well, he is, he is actually, he's actually one of our most prolific oceanographers, actually. Uh, in terms of time spent, like, I think he holds the record for most time spent at the bottom of the Marianas Trench. I honestly believe that man is going to find Atlantis. I yeah. think he will too. <laughs> I guarantee you he's going to find Atlantis in the next seven years. I think so too. I think if anybody could do it, it would be him. So I just, yeah. I honestly, I, I really quite like Titanic. It's grown on me through the years, is the best way of putting it. That said, there is still a Rift Tracks edition, and it's still pretty funny. Uh, I kind of <laughs> wish I'd seen it in 3D because I think. Oh, it looked beautiful. Yeah. It was a good conversion. December 19th also brought us a movie that I do have to note, and that's Tomorrow Never Dies. I think I've seen that one. That's the sec- I think it's the second best of the Pierce Brosnan Bond movies. It's not as good as Goldeneye, but it's not that much worse. 
It's not. Uh, what's that one with Halle Berry? Oh, uh, that's, that's Die Another Day. That was his last oh. one. Yeah. This is the <laughs> one makes... with Michelle Yeoh. Oh, I love Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, I do too. She's awesome, and she's she's good in this. The movie's fun. I'm I'm a Bond fan. I am an unabashed James Bond fan, and so I can't say anything more beyond that. Looking at the year, I've only got a couple more films that I feel like I want to note. As good as it gets, hit on December twenty fourth, and I just really love that movie. It's a great one. That's that's one that I love. Jackie Brown was viewed as a bit of a misstep for Quentin Tarantino at the time. Time has vindicated it. <laughs> yeah, Jackie Brown is. A, I was about to call it masterpiece. It's not a masterpiece, but it's a damn good movie. That's the movie that introduced me to Delphonics, so I love it for that. Nice, nice. Um, Anyone to the Delphonics is worthy of an honorable mention on any list. Oh my God, Ramon! Hello. Look who, look who fucking shows up at the tail end. Yeah, we're literally <laughs> on the brink of closing this thing up. <laughs> Dang, it's all good though. Join us for the end. Although I will say, Ramon, we talked at length about Selena. Oh, so much time spent <laughs> on it. The Postman, epic money loser. Never seen it. Wag the dog is awesome. Mr. Magoo came out at the same time. Yes, it did. It did. I don't. I didn't even see it then. So poor Ernie Hudson. He always deserved better than he got. Congo. He was awesome in Congo. Funny, I was just listening to podcast and they were talking about how Ernie Hudson was on this like panel at a convention. He was talking about how he deserved better than he got. Well, he, he does. He's... No, dude, he was uh, Bernie Mac's niece's dad on Secret Life of the American Teenager. I think that's pretty, you know, pretty big. And then it's cool that he actually did get just because he was never... Are you like a, are you a million miles away from your mic? We can yeah, barely hear you. Yeah, yeah, dude. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, there you go, there you go. Jeez. Well, now you can hear me, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, hello. Hey. But yeah, any comments you want to offer about uh, uh, Selena? Because we did not discuss it. We did not. We saved it for you. Ramon. Ramon. Yeah. Yeah. No. Sorry, Albert was cutting out, so I t- I, w- I left the call. Oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, Selena was the greatest movie possible. You know what? I have a top seven list if you guys want for me to tell you the top seven movies of t- 1997. Seems fitting because we're at the end, so yeah, yeah. go ahead. I can do it whenever you want. Go ahead. Go. Go. Just tell me when. Right I now. Think you're on a del- I think you're on a delay, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit of a delay. What? You might be on a delay. I think he, uh... Am I the only one that, like, can't hear Albert whenever he's talking? I think yeah. you are, yeah. Probably. Yeah, you are. That's weird. Well, anyway, go ahead and uh, give your uh, give your top seven list, because this is a good time to do it. Colin, you know what's crazy? is I'm, I have this book open, and I see the top movies of 1993 in this list. We did the same exact episode on Instant Leftovers. We did, yeah. I think these dudes are ripping us off, dude. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, we are the voices of a generation, so... Yes, yes, yes. Well, Skype is being really fucked up. I cannot understand what you guys are saying anymore. Oh, so this we... wouldn't have worked even if I even if I wasn't asleep. Oh, oh that's where you were. I'm going to restart the call, guys. I'm going to... Sure. Real, real quick, let's get, uh, let's get your uh, top seven list, because... Well, don't rush me. Well, I, am... <laughs> I put a lot of thought into this list. I don't want you to fucking... Oh, I, guess. I think the same thing happened. Oh no, really? Can you hear us? All right. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Wow. Ramon, we'll have you on another time. Yeah, it's all hyped about that list, dog. Okay. Uh, he's gonna give it. He's gonna give his list to me, and I'm gonna read it off. Okay. Well, I mean, we can hear you. So if you, uh, I guess you can't hear me saying this right now. So, shit. Okay, Ramon's number seven is the Chasing Amy. Yeah. Oh, he says legendary movie. Okay. It is. Lots of Lots lesbians. Of lesbians. <laughs> that is the plot. Lesbians are greater than everything. Okay. <laughs> okay. Number six, fools rush in. I'm gonna have to leave the call so that I can start wheezing with laughter. <laughs> Chandler was the man in 1997. He was. Anyone that questions that, oh boy, is a certified moron. Well, I am, but uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Goodwill Number hunting. five, Goodwill Hunting. Oh yes. uh, hell yeah! Yep. Great movie. Kanye referenced this movie in a rap line. <laughs> okay, so every once in a while uh, he gets a good reference in. Mm-hmm. So it deserves at least a f- number five spot. <laughs> number Ooh, four, I the didn't boxer. List, I didn't list the boxer, but that is a good one that I left out. Daniel Day Lewis is God. Yeah, can't argue. I really want to see him play God one of these days, just to see how far he takes it. That'd be great. That would be amazing. <laughs> what would he do for preparation? Holy shit. Create life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this movie this movie made me care about boxing and Ireland. <laughs> nice. Number three. Waiting for Guffman. I high five you across the uh, air, man. Love that movie. Parker, Parker Posey. Posey. She's great, that, man. That's it, Parker Posey. Number two, Selena. <laughs> Everything for Selena's. So it's the greatest movie ever, but there's something above it. So she, well, she's basically Mexican Princess Diana. So number one, drum roll, Jackie, Jackie Brown. Brown. Okay, there we go. That makes sense. That yeah. makes perfect sense. Yeah. Jackie Brown is on my top seven list of all time. Yeah, so it makes can't sense. be beneath yeah. Selena. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, again, makes sense. Even though Selena is un. Undebatably the greatest movie of all time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting qualifiers. <laughs> Intriguing. But, um, well, looking back at 1997, I mean, does anybody have any final thoughts on the year? It's interesting. I would say, yeah. If this was like me in 1997 and I had to list my top favorite movies of that year, then easily my number three, or easily my top three would be. Warriors of Virtue, Good Burger, Jackie Brown. I mean, not Jackie Brown. Sorry. <laughs> a Batman and Robin. <laughs> By the way, Ramon, just so you know, it's perfectly fine. We're, I'm enjoying your work, so keep it up. Anyway, it's, uh, as I said, I, you know, for me, if I was to look back, I probably would have put some pretty crummy movies on the list. In retrospect, um, in retrospect, Goodwill Hunting and Boogie Nights are two of my all-time favorite movies. I think it's interesting that of the blockbuster movies that year, I wouldn't put any of them on my favorites list. I mean, I just think that's kind of funny about that year that none of the big special effects films. I love the fifth element and that's probably the closest it would come. Yeah, it was, it was a year. I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's interesting to me because I think that a lot of these movies that got released that year probably wouldn't get released nowadays. A lot of smaller films wouldn't. Oddly. Yeah. 
I don't think that's a good or a bad thing. I think it's just the nature of the industry. Yeah. I mean, I you 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 see a lot of change here. Uh, uh, steel would never have been made. No. Right. <laughs> Thankfully, I think Spawn would have been made in that form, though. I think, as far as the black superhero thing goes, I think uh, that's about to come back around with the announcement of uh, Captain America's replacement. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Which is I, kind of funny, because I kind of expect them to replace him with the guy who played Winter Soldier. Yeah. But yeah. now they did this, it'll be interesting to see if they go that route. I, uh, Because Falcon was really well-received by audiences. So yeah. I, I think they might... I think Marvel might be thrown for a loop and kind of left to wonder. Uh, you know, I like Anthony Mackie, and I would like to see him get more work. He's great in uh, The Hurt Locker and mm-hmm. uh, Pain and Gain, so... Yes, I just said somebody was great in a Michael Bay movie. Hey, you're talking to a guy who's eagerly anticipating Turtles. Yeah, but I'm just saying an actual Michael Bay directed movie. That's the thing. What a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, it's it's been uh, nice getting this uh, little bit of nostalgia in. Yeah. And we will look onward and upward towards uh, the future. Uh, Colin, it's, it's been a joy chatting with you. Uh, we are going to have you back on by summer's end. Oh yeah, hey, it, it, this was fun, man. Thank you guys for having me. It's the first podcast I've done in a while, so nice. Uh, yeah, man. Anytime, just let me know. Yeah, it was great. we'll definitely we'll definitely have you guys back on, uh, both of you, for uh, uh, a Jackie Brown cast. Yeah, we would love to, because I mean, the way that we're doing the Tarantino movies is we're going to try and hit them individually. Yeah, they're they're way too rich to be done in just or mm-hmm. one cast. When we hit up Django, that's going to be a fun one to do. Oh, oh shit, I can't yeah. wait for that one. I can't By the way, I am so excited for the Django Zorro miniseries. Oh, I can't. That's a thing that's coming out. I know, and Tarantino's involved in it. That's what really excites me. Is I wish this was an actual movie. I know, I do too. With Banderas as Zorro too. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> Jamie Foxx's uh, Django versus uh, Banderas as Zorro. I would love that. Mm-hmm. Who would they team up to fight? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> care. Steve Buscemi has to be a villain in that. Oh, uh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's that's gonna probably start happening within the next. Uh, I think probably by year's end they're gonna start publishing that. Nice. Because uh, uh, they're doing a panel on it next week, and Tarantino's gonna be there. Uh, no surprise guest. He he's going to be there. <laughs> so I just think yeah. that's awesome. But uh, anyway, it's it's been fun. Um, you want to do the uh, standard wrap-up? Uh, you can find us on our blog at uh, thefilmroom.podbean.com. Uh, there we will post uh, various audio-visual companion pieces, I guess. You can find like us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash thefilmroom. Uh, we post a lot of things there, including you know new casts. Twitter, you can find us at, at filmroomcast. Uh, our individual casts are uh, Austin is at Untitled User. I am at Pronoman Productions. Uh, Colin here is at Balls Monkey. You don't have to follow me. But seriously, <laughs> but seriously follow me. We recommend you follow him. His, uh, yes. his Twitter feed's fun. Yeah. My goal is to get more followers than Ramon, so please make that happen for me. <laughs> and Ramon, who you heard briefly there, is, is at Ramon Villalobos. He has some great things going on. For him and right now. 
And I'd like Open. to take yeah, I'd like to take a moment to plug one of those. He's uh, got a running story in uh, the original Sins miniseries that he's drawing and just absolutely drawing the hell out of. Total sellout. Total sellout. <laughs> yeah, I still Total, pick that up. It's good. His his art on it is just he's just rocking it on it. Uh, it's it's great. So I highly recommend y'all pick that up. Uh, also, his uh, Age of Ultron What If uh, should be the TPB should be out anytime now. So. Oh, nice. Pick that up. Um, I just seriously support the guy's work. Yeah, absolutely. And you can email us with cast suggestions and or love or hate mail or whatever at <laughs> um, filmroompodcast at gmail.com. I'm sure I'm going to get you guys a lot of hate mail with my controversial Batman and Robin support. <laughs> uh, That's no, okay. <laughs> hate mail, turn us viral. Mm. We don't care. That's... <laughs> Uh, that was just that was that was the equivalent of the uh, Top Gun speech uh, that Tarantino has, which I don't fully get behind. I don't either, but <laughs> but it's, no. but it's it, so wonderfully insane. Great delivery, but I still don't get behind that theory. No, but as I said, I've got I got a lot of love for some of these films, and what what can I say? It, it was good to look back there. Uh, I will say. Uh, I'll do try and throw in the link to the uh, corresponding blog entry that I did on this. Oh, I will do, definitely. It's a little dark, but it does kind of give this a little bit more context for me. Yeah. What is our next cast? What is our next cast? Jesus. What is their next cast? Find out next time on... The no, 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 no. Next uh, is Sherlock cast... Oh, yeah, our next cast, we're recording this on July 19th. July 19th is the birth date of Benedict Cumberbatch, and it's also the birth date of our guest we are going to have on it. Sweet. On our next episode, we will be joined by a figure you've heard about a few times, but never actually heard the voice of, so... God. It'll be fun. Yes. <laughs> uh, my wife. Amanda Shin. Amanda oh, Shin will be our guest next time, as we're going to discuss... Short we're going to discuss... The greatest film franchise on television. Is That's the point. Right. <laughs> It'll give me an excuse to uh, get off get off my ass and watch Sherlock season three, which is awesome, hilarious, and funny and and, and the most homoerotic. <laughs> yes, it is. But the, but it's but it's openly being such. It's good. Yes, I I love Sherlock. Anyway, till next time. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody.
Just absolutely. It was so great. I was tough to the core, you know what I mean? Mmm! 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 Mmm!